That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Previously on Unsolved South Carolina, finding Brittany Drexel. As a parent, uh, that is your worst nightmare. The nightmare of a child who's vanished. She didn't disappear off the face of the earth. Somebody's got to know something. Something has to be somewhere. Questions haunting her father. How did she get out of the house? The race was on to find Brittany. I was called the next day at 11 o'clock. Who called you? Myrtle Beach Police Department and basically put me on standby and said, we've got a missing you know, kid. What were they thinking? That she could be alive, out there hurt. It was an urgency. We're following breaking news out of Georgetown County right now. You do have the right to remain silent. It involves a man named as a person of interest in the Brittany Drexel case. Anything you say can will be used against you in a court of law. Brittany was 17, a junior at Gates Chilai, when she left without her mom's permission for spring break in Myrtle Beach. Never in my wildest dreams ever thought my child would go missing, but now look where I am. Seemed inconceivable that someone could just virtually vanish walking between two hotels on a very busy strip. The people that did this are still in the community. They're bad people. Do you think he could be responsible for Brittany Drexel's disappearance? I think he could be responsible for anybody's disappearance. From the studios of WCIV ABC News 4 in Charleston, South Carolina. I'll give you a story that I don't think has really ever come out. I'm Ann Emerson, and this is Unsolved South Carolina, case file number two. To me, this is a case of that you will remember for the rest of your life, no matter what. Finding Brittany Drexel. Hey, I'll take you right where the body is, but I feel like you ain't been anywhere, you never get that body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. That's so sweet. Hi, Coco. So Coco was, Coco was Brittany's, Brittany's pup? Well, Don got her for Don, but Don ended up giving her, Brittany ended up take, taking her all the time. She slept with Brittany in her bed all the time, and Marissa. I'm sitting in Chad Drexel's living room in upstate New York, surrounded by memories of his daughter, Brittany. How old is this sweet thing? She's 17. Coco, Brittany's tiny shih tzu, she was only four years old when Brittany went missing. <laughs> She's got her you... Bill's outfit on. My wife got her. Alan, that's my team. I'm in Bill's territory for sure, just outside of Rochester, about 90 minutes from Buffalo along the banks of Lake Ontario. It's Saturday morning. I'm only here for a day, but it's a beautiful fall day. Hi, Coco. Look at you. She likes Christy. 
Her black hair has turned gray, and Chad says she's almost blind now. Her eyes are cloudy. She wears a red poppy on her neck, the flower for remembrance. Right now, Coco is snoozing while Chad and I talk. It's Chad Drexel. I'm Brittany Drexel's father. Thank you, first of all, for letting me come up here and visit you. They're so different than standing on courtroom steps. Chad is Brittany's adopted dad. Her biological father was absent for most of her childhood. Chad met Brittany's mom, Dawn, while he was still in the military. Chad has invited me to his home in the town of Greece. It's not far from Chilai, where Brittany grew up, and Gates, where she went to school. In Chad's home, there are memories of Brittany all over the walls, photos of the family and Brittany. I recognize a number of the photos from our missing posters that were plastered across billboards, flyers, even buttons. Behind Chad, there's this wall. It's a clock, and each hour is marked by a photo of their family, now an extended family with Christy. Tell me about this. Time spent with family is worth every second. <laughs> Yeah, well, we got Brittany down here at our base. Uh, this is me and Brittany when I was in the military. That's when my first month or so when I met her. She was that young. She was little. So, yeah, it's her little cute little dress. Oh, so cute. What does she have on? My, between my mother and Dawn's mother, they bought her all these the cutest little dresses. Just, just their casual dresses, though, these kids wore back then. Chad met Brittany's mom, Dawn, while he was still in the military. We hit it off pretty good back then, and um, I met Brittany one evening when I went to pick up her mom. Uh, we went out to a fast food restaurant and a dinner, and um, yeah, and I, I met Brittany that night. She was quite young. She was, oh gosh, three, three and a half. So right around the age of my granddaughter now. Um, and so she is a little girl. She's had her own ways and adorable. Brittany was born with a medical condition that affected her right eye. It's called persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous. She underwent several surgeries and it blinded her in that eye. To hide the eye's tendency to wander, she used to wear contact lenses that were a brilliant blue. The day I visited Chad is a day after what would have been Brittany's 31st birthday. Yesterday was her birthday. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like it kind of jars you back into the reality of... Don't forget me, meaning her. And we don't because all of us, her name is whatever family's over, it's never not said more than one, more than a few times. But in these photographs that line the walls, time stands still for a 17-year-old Brittany. We sit in the living room together. Chad's on the couch, and I'm across from him in a chair. His wife, Christy, she's just a few steps away at the kitchen table. Christy came into Chad's life after Brittany disappeared. She now calmly handles multiple media requests a day to talk about Brittany with her husband. That's Camden and Marissa. Oh, at your wedding. At our wedding, yeah. Uh, when did you get married? 2015. 15, yeah. Christy keeps a close eye on Chad as we talk, helping out with the narrative here and there, a guiding presence during a chaotic time. I jump into it, wanting to understand this family, the dynamics. Why did you want to adopt Brittany? Brittany always felt natural to me. Like, I was always good with kids. 
so it just felt natural to do things with Brittany, activities. Um, that was her character was so easy to be a. F- I mean, I wasn't trying to be dad to her. I was just trying to be a a good male profile in her eyes to for her life. So, but Brittany always called me dad, knew me as dad. She was also the oldest. Yeah, Brittany was. Brittany so, was definitely the oldest. So when did the little when did her little brother and sister show up on the scene? Yep, they're all six years apart. So Camden was tiny when uh, when Brittany was already in her her almost getting into her teen years, right? Yeah, yeah, she's yep. When Brittany was seventeen years old, her sister Marissa was eleven, and Camden he was only five. When you guys got to Rochester, talk to me a little bit. Like, where did she go to high school? She went to Gates Chile, um High School out of uh, in in Gates, New York here. Gates Chile is a gleaming modern public high school campus on its own road with a massive football stadium that says Go Spartans! She also went to cosmetology school with her friend Jessica Fico. I've known Brittany since she was in elementary school. You met Jessica in the last episode down in Savannah with Brittany's little brother Camden. She talked about cosmetology and she talked about nursing and I think it was just more so just, you know, being around people and that that very much kind of um, played into Brittany's personality. Like she, you know, she thrived on being around people and working with people, so. And she loved cosmetology. She became her own little entrepreneur as she grew up through the ages and liked uh, fashion um, and design fashion. Brittany was also into sports, soccer to be specific, and with a sports-centric dad like Chad, Brittany was a dream. Brittany was very strong-willed, strong-minded, and which served her great in certain things she did in her life. Like what? Uh, like um, with being a leader on her team, a captain on her soccer team, like when girls were depressed on her soccer team, I seen her poems, just being that mentor a friend mentor kind of thing. What were her friends like with, what was her, what was her scene? Was she, she was into soccer. Mm-hmm. And it was, so talk to me a little bit about what her scene was like here in Rochester. She had a lot of, a lot of girl, a ton of different girlfriends to the point where I asked her, can you do up a little artboard with cutouts of your friends? So when you say I want to go with someone or I want to go over, and have someone sleep over, I know who you're talking about. By the way, Brittany's biological father did come back into her life barely a year before she disappeared. But up until then, Chad was all she had. He was the only father she knew. Through this treacherous amount of years, I've, I've gained a lot of knowledge in, in fatherhood and in, in parenting in general. As to, it's not... My beliefs are we're not here to be our kid's best friend to the point where I know what's going on. I know what you have in your room. You don't secretly have guns in your closet or stuff like that. Brittany's childhood friend Jessica Fico remembers. You know, as she was growing up, Chad was 
Chad had rules. Chad was very strict growing up. Um, I used to have a cell phone, and if I would come over, like I wasn't allowed to like have the cell phone. The door needed to be open to her bedroom. You know, all the good things. But Brittany, well, what did you see in her personality that was so strong? <laughs> I don't know if I could say this, but she just really didn't give a shit. Like she was just gonna do what she wanted to do. She had her ways around her dad's rules, especially in divided houses. Brittany thought, well, screw it, I'm gonna go to my grandparents. Chad and Dawn's marriage was in trouble before Brittany went missing. About a year and a half before she went missing, her mom and I separated. Rather than staying in it, when I started hearing myself get louder than I normally did around my kids because we're arguing. I didn't want that happening no more. I didn't want my kids hearing that. So I left. Talk to me about what happened that junior year that, you know, I talked to her dad about it. Mm -hmm. Said that she was having a tough time at school a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, do you remember what those conversations were like with Brittany? Yeah, I, I, she, she definitely struggled as it's Chad and Dawn split. And as it goes, Brittany's teen angst started well before that Myrtle Beach trip. She was going down the wrong path, and I tried my best because I didn't want to hear Can it. Can you tell me, like, when, when did you feel like that path started going the wrong way? Then when I separated from her. When I was not living in that house no more. I think, um, you know, Dawn had, Dawn was newly single, so she was, you know, trying to kind of find her way, and Brittany was a teenager, and even without the split of her parents, a being a teenager is hard. Her and her boyfriend, which when we're in high school is our world, right? And they had probably the typical high school relationship. It was just like they were, together one day, broken up the next. That's John Greco, Brittany's boyfriend at the time. He was the last person Brittany texted before she disappeared. A lot of drama. Yeah, a lot Teen of drama. drama. Teen drama. <laughs> um, don't miss those days. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Myrtle Beach, 800 miles away. Turns out there was a fair amount going on behind Chad and Dawn's back, according to Chad. So I'll give you a story that I don't think has really ever come out, not through Dawn or anyone. He tells me Brittany went missing once before. As a family, we always go to July 4th, um, the fireworks in Chile, they had a really good little festival there. Fourth of July in Chai Lai, a big deal for the Drexel family. Fireworks ended, Brittany's nowhere to be found. 
<laughs> so um, this is where things are going to get heated because I knew the friends Brittany was hanging out with. They were not good friends. They never wanted to come over to our house. And they know why, because you're not going to cause, I mean, just they're underage drinkers. I didn't want her around that. They're a little older. They're cool. They go to clubs. They have all these red cup parties. Long story short, again, couldn't fight her that night. The next morning I woke up, first thing I, I woke up at like seven, so early, earlier than I normally do on a, it was a weekend. Because um, the next day we always go to family July 4th picnic. Every year we do that. So I said, Don, can you wake Brittany up? Oh, she's not home yet. I lost it. Turns out Brittany had spent the night out. Chad says he threw a fit. They finally heard from Brittany later that morning, and he went to pick her up. The 4th of July fireworks continued. We got in the truck. We drove right up the road to my house. We got into the house. She stormed up to her room. I said, Brittany, I need you downstairs in the kitchen because the Monroe County sheriffs are on their way here. I called the sheriffs because I was so upset that I wanted her to realize what she did. But Chad wasn't about to let this go. He called the sheriff on her. It was so uncalled for that that was a bad, horrible choice. And whatever she's doing, she needs to stop. So I looked at her and I said, Britt, I'm not trying to say, ha ha, I was right. I'm trying to say to you is what you did scared the whole family. So that was a tough situation to go through. But it didn't stop Brittany from taking off to Myrtle Beach without telling her parents. How did she pay for that spring break trip? Remember, her dad said she was quite the entrepreneur. We found out because I was like, well, how the hell did Brittany get from here to Myrtle Beach? She's got a pot to piss in. She's my language. She's got no money to go down there. So it's <laughs> an old school saying. <laughs> so, um, well, the sheriff said, well, this is how Brittany did it. The sheriff was investigating her disappearance and needed access to her computers. So it was her junior year. They had their junior dance or ball or whatever it's called. Well, she actually was going to go to the senior one. And she had four or five or whatever amount of guys ask her to the ball. Well, she's a smart little entrepreneur and says, sure, but we're getting a, I'm getting a limo and I need half the money up front. She got a debit card. <laughs> at the CVS down the road and yep, and put the money in there so she was able to rack up money and set a card and have a debit card with her. So that's how she got money now and she was able to take so it So she told all of these boys that wanted to take her to the, to the prom, mm -hmm. she said, all right, well, I, we're gonna take a limo and you're gonna give me X amount of dollars. We need half for it, we need to, a deposit. Yeah, so she put it on a debit card. This story is important especially if you don't have teenagers of your own. It's hard to remember your own terrible teen decisions and they don't seem so bad. That's because you lived through them. She was always on MySpace back then. That was her way of talking to people that she shouldn't be. I went into her DOS and took out anything that's related to MySpace and it would go to a blank page. So she was unable to do that on her, com on her computer anymore. Brittany had some workarounds when it came to technology. 
computer access where her dad's eyes couldn't see. But that hidden online world of teenage secrets were unlocked by law enforcement long after Chad could help her. And before Brittany left for Myrtle Beach, Jessica says she wanted to go with her friend, but there was just no way to swing it. You didn't go to Myrtle Beach, did you? I did not. My parents still never let me live that one down because I had begged to go. You had begged to go? Mm-hmm. And so did you know who she was going with? I, I was not friends with them, and, and it's been so long now that I can't, I can't like, I, I don't know why I would have wanted to go, um, but apparently I thought it was a good idea to go with her. <laughs> but I had a baby super young, so I had a baby then, um, and they're like, no, you're not going, you are staying home. Jessica was a teen mom. She already had a baby of her own, and well, that was that. On Wednesday, April 22nd, Brittany went to Myrtle Beach, but the 17-year-old wasn't with her besties or even her boyfriend. She was staying with some high school kids at the Bar Harbor Resort on the Grand Strand, very far from home. Here's Tracy Chinaka with the Myrtle Beach Police Department. From what we gathered, it appeared that she hitched a ride with acquaintances down to Myrtle Beach. It wasn't like they were close friends, so she didn't spend all her time with them while she was down here. She was, she, you know, she did spend some time with them. You know, they went to a club together at one point. You know, they went to the beach, um, you know, one afternoon. But there were a lot of times it seemed that she was just kind of by herself, um, just kind of, you know, walking down the boulevard, meeting people, you know, visiting with other friends from New York. She wasn't with these girls much of the time she was down here. The last time Jessica spoke to Brittany, Jessica was at a club in downtown Rochester. It was Thursday night, April 24th. Brittany was already down in Myrtle Beach, and they had plans to hang out together as soon as she got home. I knew she was down there, and then um, I was out at a club. It was called Heat at the time, downtown Rochester. Um, <laughs> and with my fake ID, of course, like, that's what we did. And I was, um, I ran into John Greco and he was on the phone with her. Remember that John was Brittany's boyfriend. He didn't go to Myrtle Beach with the crew. And that was the last time I talked to her when, and I had just talked to her quick on the phone with, when she was talking with John and it was loud, of course. So it was just a quick, you know, hey, how's it going? Um, and then I, I told her I loved her and that was it. You got to say that? Mm-hmm, they did. They did. Yeah, I, I remember exactly where we were standing in the club, too. We were kind of in the back left corner. Brittany's father, Chad, spoke to his daughter while she was in Myrtle Beach as well. It was Friday, April 24th. I, I knew she was on spring break. It was during the end of the week, work week. And I just reached out to see how my daughter was and said, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm just with my friends at the beach. And it was a warmer day here for April and uh, at Charlotte in here in Greece and I was like I didn't think nothing of it because it was a warmer day like six almost 70 degrees and she was there with her friends okay that's cool you wanted to get out it was all winter I know the, how, the, how the winters are up here you you get a chance to get a 70 degree day everyone goes outside so I didn't think nothing of it but she didn't tell me what beach she was at the beach that Chad thought she was hanging out with friends that beach was only 25 minutes away from Chai Lai. 
I took a trip out to the beach while I was in Rochester. It's called Charlotte Beach, aka Ontario Beach Park. It was once hailed as the Coney Island of the West. It's on a spectacular side of Lake Ontario with white sand beaches. It's where the lake meets the Genesee River. There's a pier to walk out onto the lake and even a rare antique carousel that is still housed in the park. Remnants of a bygone era. But locals say don't come here after dark. They told me it's taken on a seedier side in modern days with drugs and crime and that beautiful water. Well, it's not safe to swim in most of the time due to major pollution. In other words, not the ideal spring break stop. But for Brittany, it was all part of her ruse. Saturday, April 25th, the day Brittany disappeared. She talked to her mother Dawn and even her little sister Marissa. They were shopping at a local mall in Rochester and guess what? Brittany stuck to her story. Here's Marissa. That morning I went with my mom to uh, Grease Ridge Mall. We were buying soccer attire for the soccer season coming up for the summer. And I told my mom, can we call Brittany because we, I don't know what size she is for soccer cleats. So she called her. Her mother Dawn was not suspicious. Why would she be? She trusted Brittany. Well, what are you doing later? And she said, oh, we're just at the beach because that's what they called Lake Ontario. And I said, I will call you when I get home, um, you know, just to check in. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. Before she got off the phone, I was like, I forgot to say I love you. So she gave me the phone and I said that I love you. And I thank God that I asked my mom to um, grab the phone back because that was the last time I talked to her. And then Brittany says, okay, mom, I'll see you tomorrow. I love you. Those were her last words to me. Later that evening, Brittany makes her way to her friend Peter's hotel room. He's part of that big Rochester contingency that's come to party for the week. Lieutenant Chuck Cap from the Myrtle Beach Police would tell us what they learned about her trip down the Grand Strand that night. The area where Brittany ventured from it's motels nonstop, motel, 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 kids cruising the boulevard, people trying to get to where they're going. A lot of motels have cameras, but they're focused on the desk clerks and the guests. We only found one camera that was facing the road. The one we did find actually showed Brittany, and of course she was walking with her head down looking at her phone, texting the entire time as she was walking toward the Blue Water Resort. That camera was about midway on her trip headed south to the Blue Water Resort where Peter was staying. It was a long walk, about 30 minutes point to point. According to Brittany's texts, she was arguing with her roommates about the clothes she was wearing. Here's Tracy again. They were texting back and forth and, you know, they were asking her, well, you know, what are you wearing? And so she had borrowed um, an outfit from one of the girls, I guess, without the girl's knowledge. And so she was describing the outfit and her text back and forth between um, the, the young girl. And they were basically saying, well, I want to wear the outfit tonight, so I need you to bring it back. And she said, well, I'm walking, I'm on the way, you know, pretty much. Here's exactly what was said before Brittany disappeared. We have the texts. They're read by my colleagues at ABC News 4. Brittany is texting with Jennifer, one of her roommates back at the Bar Harbor. It's 8.15 p.m. Jennifer says, Where are my black shorts? 
At 816, Brittany says, I wore them. Did you want to wear them? At 817, Jennifer says, Yep, take them off. Yep, so go take them off and get me. At 818, one minute later, Brittany says, Okay, I will when I get back. Sorry, I went for a walk, but what's going on tonight? She asks again, What's going on tonight? Jennifer responds, I don't know. I don't know yet. 820, Brittany says, Okay, well, let me know and I'll meet you back there or whatever. 821, Jennifer tells Brittany, We're going to hotel, okay? And at 8.33, Brittany is seen entering the Blue Water Resort, where her friend Peter is staying. 8.40, Jennifer asks Brittany, What shirt are you wearing because the white one is here? Brittany responds, The one you are going to let me wear, blue and teal. Jennifer says, What is that? And at 8.43, Brittany says, It's dressy, I'll be there soon, I'm going to walk all the way back. Five minutes later, 8.48, the Blue Water Resort security camera catches Brittany leaving the hotel to head back. At 8.51, Brittany texts her boyfriend, John. I'm going to f***ing bug. You have no idea. John, at 8.54. Why now, baby? Brittany, at 8.55. Tell you later when you call me. I'm so heated. John asks at 8.57. Are you going out with them tonight? Don't let your last night be ruined, baby. Seriously, for me, please just try to enjoy yourself. You deserve it more than anyone I know. At 8.58, Brittany tells John that I'm staying in, packing, and going to sleep. But according to the cops, that street camera that first captured her walking to the blue water. She never made it back to that camera. At 10.26, John texts. Please call me, please. At 10.39 p.m., Jennifer texts. Where are you? And at 11.57, her phone loses all contact. Coming up next on Unsolved South Carolina, finding Brittany Drexel, the search for Brittany. We became very concerned that this might not be a young girl that just decided to hang out with some people. Maybe she um, went somewhere against her will. The only clue? Pings from her cell phone. Her cell phone was quickly moving to Georgetown, um, ending up at the pole yard. I mean, nothing after that, no communication with anyone after that. You know, we we were very concerned. And then years later, a terrifying lead comes in. After you got out of prison, it's starting again. Is there a predator lurking in the area where Brittany vanished? Unsolved South Carolina Finding Brittany Drexel is a production of WCIV-TV ABC News 4. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us reach more people by giving us a positive rating and leaving a review. For more on the Drexel case, visit abcnews4.com slash Drexel. For show updates and exclusive extras, follow Unsolved South Carolina on social media at Unsolved SC Pod.